uh, the Word of God today, and I'm so excited about what he has to share and uh, what God has to say through him. And uh, I know I've been shaped by Grandpa Jack plenty and uh, his example and his faithfulness. Uh, but before we get to Grandpa Jack, find somebody around you to say good morning to, uh, preferably a new face. One sound, everybody stops. That's real good. Well, good morning. For those of you who don't know who I am, <laughs> Grandpa Jack is uh, appropriate, I guess. Um, somebody said to me, "Get up there and preach." Uh, guess what? We're, I'm, not gonna, I'm not here to get up here and preach. I'm not going to preach to anybody, but I am going to share with you. Okay, share what just put on my heart, and. Uh, and I think I've been. I'm wondering up here. I don't know if you have you ever come to a point in your life where you know you got to do something, and you want to do it, but you become anxious about it. Have you been in that place before? I think we all have. Yeah, I have no reason to be anxious about being up here talking because I know the Lord is involved. But there's a couple of things that have taken place in the last couple of days. And I think maybe I might share uh, my feelings there and how God has helped me, which might give us a tone of what we'll talk about as we keep going. First of all, I'm up here because our early pastor decided to be someplace else this morning. Do you know where he's at? Do you know where he's at? We're out here doing our swim again. And, uh, you know, he told me, I think, five weeks ago, maybe, maybe more than that. Uh, I'm going to be preaching about this. And then he says, at the end, I want you to take the last one. And I said, ah, it's not a problem, not a problem. I can handle that, I'm pretty sure. <sighs> have you ever waited to the last minute? You know you have to do something. And, uh, but yet again... Just wait. And that's what I did. And I found myself um, really getting serious with God about this. (laughs) Friday. (laughs) How about that? Friday. Okay, so Friday I thought, well, that's good. We'll just, I'll start, sit down here and I'm going to start reading the Bible and got some things that Patrick has given me and It'll go fine. And Friday, I hit a wall. And nothing seems to be going right. I can't think correctly. I can't even get any thoughts together. And I'm thinking to myself, for goodness sakes, what is this all about? Well, I just started to pray. And have you ever been, when you pray, have you ever come to a point where you pray and then it seems like there's nothing there? There doesn't seem to be a response. My spirit isn't feeling anything. And it was just like that. I struggled that whole day. Finally, early on Saturday morning, 
I got up early and I started to pray. And I still got nothing. And I said, Lord, I don't know what's wrong, but I need, I need you. I need your help. And uh, Father, if there's anything in my life, please take it away so that I can have this fellowship with you so I get an idea of what you want me to say. I want you to know that God is real. Uh, I hope I don't break down here, but have you ever been alone when God's spirit comes upon you and it rips you apart inside and helps you to understand that you're not just talking in space when you pray. There is a God that is listening. And he is real. Oh, he's very real. And he came upon me on Saturday morning in such a way that hasn't happened for a while. But he's a very powerful God. And he knows how to talk to you. And so, having said that, I uh, proceeded to spend time with him and got some ideas and got that thing all together and I felt really good, you know. And, and uh, you know, I'm not really an anxious person and I'm not afraid to be up here to talk to you. You, are, you should know that by now. Practically everybody in here knows me. I'm kind of outgoing. So I felt like I have it made, so... I got up this morning and made all these notes. Now, Patrick, when he gets up here, he's got it all up in his brain. I don't have it up there. So I scribbled all these pages and I got them down. I'm going to, I'm going to get something out of them. You wait and see it. I'll share it with you. But I got up this morning and we go. Now I'm going to meet the Lord again, right? Guess what happened? Son of a gun. There was that wall again. Just a wall. I Lord, what is going on? I don't know what to do. And I can tell you the exact time. It was around 6.30 this morning. I said, and I cried out, Oh, God, please, I need you so bad. And I heard my phone go off. And it was in the bathroom. And Linda was still sleeping. At least I think she was. But anyhow, my phone went off. And so I walked in there quick like and got my phone and came back. It was Patrick texting me at 6.30 in the morning. Encouraging me that he was praying for me at this time. I don't know how to say this to you, but that wasn't preacher that texted me. That was God that did that. And he opened my heart again and I had fellowship with him. I just wanted to share that with you because I think there's going to come in the very near future you're all going to be facing issues. Somebody in this room may be facing something very, very bad in their life. I want you to know something. You can trust God. If you have a relationship with him, he is real. And he loves you. And he is the one that I believe 
that didn't communicate with me because he wanted me to understand. There are times when you have to really, really let go of everything and just get in his presence. And I thank God for that this morning. Forgive me for taking time to tell you that because it's got nothing to do with what we're talking about. But I think it's important that we're all on the same page. I just want you to relax, okay? If you relax, I'm going to be able to relax. Well, let's get started. Like five weeks ago, or at least five or so forth, Patrick was telling me that he was going to have a, a, some preaching sermons about him going swimming, about triathlon. And he says the name of it's going to be Swim, S-W-I-M. Okay. And I've listened to his things, and uh, what I wanted to do this morning was to kind of take a few moments here and go give you a little quick summary of the first four, and then I'll have a few words about today, and then we'll be done, okay? So, on the very first one, the very first one was called Suiting Up. That was the title of it. Now, I don't recall, but I don't think he did anything with the suit the first time. I, did, I think he did it on the beginning of the second, but the idea with the suiting was this. But before he got started, I, I, got, a, I got a note, I looked down where it said, the very first thing he said is when we come out here is this. He says, there's something I want to share with you. Salvation and sanctification. Them are the two, the two words that I want to share with you. And what he was trying to say, salvation and sanctification are not the same thing. The truth is, salvation is of God, period. He is the author of salvation. He is the one that begins it and finishes it. Salvation is of God and from God. Salvation is of him. Sanctification is the process after you get saved where God deals with you and with me and how we grow together with God to become more like him. That was the process that was going on in my prayer life. Another sign where God was saying, sometimes you have to reach out close to me to get my word. You have to get in the right place. And I think that that was important. That was an example he had given. So in the first one, suiting up, the, the preacher Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 18. I hear this thing echoing on me. Is it, is, is it okay? Can you hear good? All right. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. And uh, that on there has to do about the armor of God. And so I just want to share what he did a little bit there. The first one, it says, gird joins with truth. And then I'm just going to go down through them and I'll say something about each one. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And the shield of faith. The helmet of salvation. And also the sword of the spirit. These are the things that God provides for you and I in our walk with him. Now, the first one has got to be truth. It says, gird your loins with truth. I'm not sure that I totally have this, but the loins, I asked my wife, is this area of you? The loin is to give you some protection. I think if you would think maybe 
about the old evil days when they used to fight with swords and stuff like that. I think that's the analogy that's been brought here. But there's a protection for this part of your body. And the thing about it is, that loin was of truth. My question to you is, whose truth is it? Is it the world's truth? Is it your truth? Or is it God's truth? I think you know the answer, don't you? It's God's truth. God's truth, what his Bible says, is part of his protection that that we're supposed to put on. The next one is the breastplate of righteousness. Well, where do we get that breastplate? Who is it? Whose righteousness are we talking about? Well, it certainly isn't mine. I don't think it's yours. Whose is it? It is God's righteousness. The righteousness of God. And then there's the next one. Shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You know, I thought, Lord, what in the world? How does that, how is that, how does that, like, give me a spiritual aspect. Well, if you don't have your feet shod with the gospel of peace, you will be walking in a direction that is opposite of God. Your feet is what you use to motivate and go from place to place. It's very important that you put on the shoes of the gospel. Our feet are for walking for the Lord and sharing the gospel of peace. And then there's that shield of faith. This one I kind of like. Uh, I don't know, was you ever in Sunday school? I don't know where, what background you guys come from. But I remember when the little kids had Sunday school and, and they would talk about the armor of God. Have you ever seen the plastic or the paper things they put on for a shield and and they walk around and they think that that's the shield. And you know what? That is exactly what God is saying. There is a shield that you can have. Well, that's, I said the shield of faith. I screwed up there, didn't I? No, I didn't. I tried to get that right. The shield of faith, it's a flame of The shield is you put on your hand. Forgive me. <laughs> and, and so that shield is what we use. And if God uses that. To fight off the flaming missiles. That's what the Bible says. Flaming missiles that come from Satan and the devil. So we got that with us. And then also the helmet of salvation. And that is something that you put on your head. And you know what I get from that? Salvation is something that we have in our heart, but we also have right in our head. So that Satan can attack us and try to disturb us and say, Well, you should have salvation. Get it right so that you know you have it. And then there's the sword of the Spirit. And that's where you have that sword and you flash it out there. And I know as kids we used to use a sword. I don't know if you did. But we used to have sword fights and enjoy doing that. But in the real world, God says this is a real thing. In the spiritual realm, God wants us to have the sword of the Spirit. Now, if you think about it, the truth, the righteousness, the peace... And the faith and the salvation and the spirit all are from God. Those are the tools that he gives us so that we can fight the devil and walk our life according to his will and to be a blessing to him and to bring glory to his life. The only other thing I had here on a note that I had is this. Uh, why, why would I ask God to put this, these things on me? If I was to tell you that I prayed this morning and I put on this armor of God, can you see it on me anywhere? The truth is, you can't see it. In this world, you cannot see that I have the armor of God on. 
I know it's on because I asked God to give it to me. But there is another world where it is very visible about what I have on. And that world is the world of the spirit. That's the world, the spiritual part of, of our life. You know, we are spiritual people. And we are so consumed with our natural life now down here. We're so consumed with that. And that's how we want our life. But the real thing is the spiritual life. That is the thing that God is so important. Wants us to walk with him in a spiritual realm. And the spirit world can see the armor when we're wearing it. And so the issue is here. Do not live by sight, but live by faith. And that's what he was showing us. Well, we're going to hurry on because I don't want to take too much longer. Part two, getting your feet wet. That was the second part. And uh, I, you know what? I was trying to figure out how, Lord, can I, can I give an expression of what I feel here? Well, I was going to get in the shoes. Uh, on your bulletins, you see where this guy was standing on the water and he had this suit on. Well, you know what? You have to put on the suit. And so I think up here, uh, uh, you're all suited up. This, this is me thinking that I had this suit on. We're all suited up. Good. What should I do next? And I'm standing at the f- water's edge. Well, what I did is I just said, well, I don't know what to do, but I, I, I turn around and I watch what other people are doing. And I noticed they got in the water, and then they splashed the water all over them, okay? And so they went through that process, so I went through it also. And uh, <laughs> the next thing was to do this. I said, Lord, uh, uh, this water, well, I forgot, there, there was a part in here where, where he had said something about the water. He got in the water, it was 59 degrees or 56. You know, the water was really cold. Well, the idea is when I was, if I jumped in that water when I hit it, it would have discouraged me immediately. That water is so cold, I don't want to go in it. And I think there are issues in our life where we come up to that point where we just see something that's not right and we don't want to go any farther. Well, you know, that's when the Lord, the scriptures that he brought to us, uh, that he gave us, and I'm not sure why I don't have that here. Forgive me. I, I had a feeling I might have that. Oh, here it is. John 6.44. Excuse me. You see, I'm even, I'm even being troubled a little bit setting up here. and My normal way of saying things is not coming out. So you bear with me, okay? John six forty four, and that scripture when I was saying this, and his tender calling and drawing of me. You know what the real scripture says? Uh, no man can come to the Father unless the Spirit draws him. So God wanted me to understand that I am His and He is mine, and He called me and drew me in, and that was comforting. And also in Hebrews eleven six. Six, where the Lord says, without faith, I cannot please him. Well, I need to please the Lord. So I have to step into the water. No matter what, I've gotten this far, I got the suit on, I'm going to get in the water. And that's what, in part two, he was encouraging us to do. And, uh, you know, there was a little story that came to my mind. You know, in the Bible, there's a little story about Peter and the boys that were out fishing. And uh, what happened was that uh, they seen this figure walking on top of the water, coming toward them, and it was kind of a stormy night. And 
and they pick up, who is that out there? I don't know who that is. And somebody said, oh, you know what? I think that's Jesus. I said, by golly, you're right. That's him. And he was actually walking on the water. And Peter said, Lord, that's you. Can I come out? He says, come. And he jumped out of the boat and he started walking towards the Lord. And the next thing you know, he started to fall. And the reason, why did he start falling? He forgot. He took his eyes off the Lord who was walking towards him. And he looked at the winds and the wave and he began to sink. And the next thing the Bible says, immediately the Lord lifted him up and saved him. And so what the Bible is trying to teach us there is when you get the suit on and you get going, you make sure you keep your eyes on the Lord. Because the minute you take your eyes off the Lord, you're in for a problem. Number three, swimming in mercury, murky, murky waters. And you know what? I started out, the first thing that came to my mind when I thought of this was a little something that John Castle and I got involved with. I know some of you have heard this story. We went fishing together up to the lake. We got on a private lake. And we put the boat in, and we were fishing on that lake. We shouldn't have been on, by the way. We were fishing on that lake, and I remember seeing a duck fly down and get on the water. You know that? And that duck hit that water. We turned around, and we continued to fish. And the next thing you know, we heard a big splash. And we turned around, and there was no duck left. And the water had a big splash in it. There was something under that water that came up and took that duck in one gulp, and it was gone. And it sounded like somebody threw a rock in there. I have a question for you. Do you think that John and I, our first thought was to get on a suit and jump in the water and go see what it was? No, that's not the first thing we thought. I can tell you, I don't know how he felt, but I did this. Whatever it was, I'm not going to get in this water. And you know, sometimes that's what the road looks like. And uh, that's what he is encouraging us to do. You've got to get in. And the waters are mercury, very mucky. And it's hard to see. You know, if you're in mucky water, you can't see what's down below. And I think, you know what, uh, in a way, it'll give you encouragement because you can't see what's underneath you when you're swimming. You know, I thought about that. And I thought, I'm not sure that I want murky water or if I'd like clear water because maybe I would like to see what I got coming. And then I thought, well, if you were in the wrong kind of water... And there was a shark involved in there. I don't think he'd want to see it coming. I just would not like to see it. I would just wish that it was over. So much for that. But anyhow, there are there are things on the, that was a good was something that John and I experienced. Second Corinthians, we have some scriptures here. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse seven. It says, Walk by faith and not by sight. And that's the one I had recorded from before. And I think that a lot of us need to learn that instead of seeing where we're going, if we just go when God tells us to go, that we'll do more for pleasing the Lord and our faith will grow when we act that way. A lot, everybody, if they can see something, you don't need faith to act. If I see that I can walk over there and get in a boat and the boat's there, I, it's, I don't need faith to believe that. That isn't faith. I can, it's right there. But if somebody tells me to do something and I can't see it, then I think that that's when you have to act by whoever is telling you to do it. Now, that will come up here in a minute. Hebrews 11.1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, 
and the conviction of things not seen. And then there's a couple of people in the Bible who acted on this. Hebrews 7.11 says, Noah built a boat. Now, he built the boat because God had told him to do it. But he did it without even knowing what a boat was. So he didn't have anything to go by. He didn't go by what he could see and what he thought. He actually did it by faith. There's another one, Hebrews in verse 8 of that same chapter. Abraham. It says, by faith, Abraham. When he was called, he obeyed. And he left his home and not knowing where he was going. It was God that spoke to him about that. There's going to be many times in your life when the same situation is going to happen. God is going to speak to you and he's going to ask you to do something. Don't ask him for to show you the way. Don't ask him to provide the answers that you're looking for. But simply do what God tells you to do. And so that's what it means about these murky waters. God wants us to get out into the murky waters of life and to get out there and to do and go up for him so that we can become better Christians. And the next one, uh, we went to number four, and he talked about relax and just breathe. And uh, it says that in Genesis, uh, the part that he was talking about, he gave the uh, Genesis 2-7, and it says there, God formed man out of dust, and then God breathed into man the breath of life. And breath is something that God has given us. We have to breathe. We have to take in air and get oxygen so as to make it work. Um, and hear what it says. God is, uh, another, another one, 1725, it says this. God is not served by human hands because he needs nothing. He himself gives to all life and breath and all things. So it is God who gives us these things. And breath is a, is a very important thing. And it says here, when you're swimming in, he, he made this comment. He said, when you're swimming in, and, uh, in, you need to relax and you need to breathe. My goodness sakes, I, I can see why. I don't understand why you want, why you, you want to relax. Well, the reason why is when you take in air, you, your blood has to run. And the more air you take in, the more your blood works for you. And the stronger it goes to your muscles and you're able to go farther. So the point is, you want to go as fast as you can, but you've got to take time to breathe. And that's what God is in, in our walk with him. Just take time to breathe once in a while. Because if you keep close to him and you breathe in what he wants you to hear, you will be able to go through that time and get through it. And then there's one more thing. We, we have a, a point about relaxation. I have a famous a scripture that I enjoy. We even shared it in Sunday school was this. Philippians 4.6. It says, be anxious, be anxious for nothing. And I know one thing. I don't know if I was in the water swimming and having to go a long way. You might want to become anxious. You might want to know, am I going to make it? Am I going to get there? Well, the Lord says, do not become anxious. Sometimes we can get weary about walking as a Christian. And we think, we think and things are never going to work. But the Lord says, trust in me and do not become anxious about anything. And then we'll jump to number five. And the la- number five, which was last week, uh, well, no, number five is Jack. Forgive me. 
You know, you, you notice it seems like I'm not confused, but you know what it is? I can sense that somebody behind me is trying to interfere with my comments, and that's all right. But anyhow, part five. Today is about sighting. Sighting. I, when he said to me, you're going to preach on sighting, I thought, what in the heck is that about? Get a gun out and try to sight it or something? No. It's using your eyes. It's looking with your eyes. And uh, so yeah, this has to do with... Uh, with the swimming. So I'll read down what I have here. Lifting your head up above the waves and the water to see where you're going. You know, I never thought about that. Uh, the only sewing I've ever done has been in a, in a pool. And you know, you don't have to look too far. You don't have to see too much because it's a pool. You swim in there and you're, you know, you're contained. But when you get out on the water, it's kind of important that you take a look once in a while to see where you're going. And especially... If you're doing what Patrick did this morning, he was out swimming, and here's what they say. It sounds like good advice. In a race, they lay out a course for you to follow. There are markers along the way to give you direction. Everyone is expected to follow around the markers along the course. You must keep looking for markers during the race. So what he's saying, our life is like the same thing that he, the race he was in. He said to me that you had to run, you had to swim to a certain marker and take a left and go to another, and they had the course all laid out for you. And if you don't watch the markers, you know, I got to thinking, well, what if you don't see the markers? Well, why don't you follow the guy that's beside you? But he's probably going in the right direction, right? Well, you can't depend upon that. You can't follow people because there are some people that are going in the wrong direction. So you really have to get, you have to keep your eyes on the marker. You swim for a little while and you bring your, and you swim and then you keep looking for that marker. And he says, you'll be surprised if you miss a few times and you go off and you, then you come up and you look for the marker. You'll find that the marker is off here to the left and you've got to turn and keep going. And so the idea is you can get in trouble by going too far and getting out of out of the path that God has laid out for each one of us. And so anyhow, what is it? Your goal is to follow the markers as quick as you can and to win the prize. You need to finish the race. And you know what? That is what this, that is what this thing is about sighting in our lives. You know, uh, the idea of sighting is really to keep your eyes on the Lord. And uh, this is the area that I really wanted to talk about, and I suppose the time is flying. But anyhow, the thing that I wanted to talk about is keep your eyes on the Lord. And you know what? When you don't keep your eyes on the Lord, things can go wrong. Uh, it's, I, I want to share something without being careful. I know I, I didn't tell my wife I was going to share this, but I'm going to say it anyhow. Um, Saturday, Friday night, we found, I shut the garage door in our house. And uh, I knew that it looked funny, and it was cracking and making some noises. But when the door went down, I went out there, and the cables on both sides dropped off, and they were hanging, flopping in the breeze. And I thought to myself, well, maybe we can get it up in the morning. So, And, uh, of course, that was kind of encouraging for us. The cars are parked in there. What are we going to do? And we had plans and wanted to do things. So you know how it is. It's always some issue like that. And uh, so she says, uh, well, how are we going to get it up? And I said, well... Let me see if I can go out there and get it up. So I went out there and hit the button, and nothing happened, and the door wouldn't go up. 
And I said, well, maybe if you and I came out there, and I thought, no, that's a stupid idea. We're not going to do that. And it was too late anyhow. So I said, we'll do it in the morning. So Saturday morning, um, we I decided on Saturday, well, it's about 9.30. And she says, well, I don't know what we're going to do. And I thought to myself, Lord, what am I going to do? And I said, well, I'm going to get the phone out. So I got the phone out and to look to find somebody to call, right? We live up in Middleville, and there was only one ad in the book, just one. It's a pretty good size ad. It was the only ad in there. And it says, yeah, we'll take care of any problem you got. Call any time, and we'll come out. So I called the number, and guess what I heard? This number is not in service at this time. Excuse me? What in the world? And so I hung up the phone, and I talked to Linda about it a little bit, and I what am I going to do? You know, I don't know. And something said to me, pick up the number and dial it again. So I did. What do you think happened? Hello. How come it worked? I don't know. But thank God it did. To make a long story short, this person said yes. We'll come out. And we'll come out today. And probably see you around 12 o'clock between 12 and 2. And I thought, well... Golly, that's okay. About 15 minutes later, this guy called and says, Hey, I just finished my job. Can I get there in 15 minutes? Will that be all right with you? Oh, yes. Come, come, come. And so, anyhow, eventually the guy came. And uh, I figured, well, I don't know, maybe $50, $75, you know. You know how you think. That would be the cost of it, right? So he came there and he Sit out with his little machine. Yeah, he said, uh, yeah, he said, you got a broken spring. And, oh, okay. Well, he said, got to do this. And this. Oh, okay, good. I said, well, the bottom line is give me a price. $560. What? Holy smokes. Five. I said, not going to happen. Not going to happen. And I said to him, you, I said to him, I said, you said two springs. There's only one spring up there. Well, he says, you really should have two new ones. I said, Give me a price about just taking off the bad spring, putting it on, or he doing, oh, he gave us a price, and we said, okay, we'll go with that. So anyhow, he got it done. Praise God. I don't know about you, but in our cases, to just walk up and have $500 that you can just throw people on a given idea is not always an easy thing to do. But we happen to have the money, and it's because something else had happened previously. A couple of days earlier on Friday, we had an appointment with somebody. And I don't want to give you the details, but it had to do with finances. And we wanted to get some things taken care of. And God, just remarkably, caused us to come up with some extra money. And it was darn close to what I paid for getting the garage done. So we paid the bill. And Linda made a remark. She says, you know, it's, you just can't get ahead because we thought we had gotten ahead a little bit. And she says, we just can't get ahead. And I said, well, that's probably true. And it does seem like when you want, you know, when you get something good, you want to keep it that way. And, uh, but she said, and I said to her, I says, but maybe there's a blessing too. If we hadn't 
I wonder if God was involved in that whole thing. Did he give us that little extra money for the very purpose of knowing that the garage door was going to break? And of course we both agreed, amen, that's exactly what he did. So what I'm trying to say here today is the lessons that, that we are being taught here are the lessons of life. And each one of us can know that the things that happen in our life happen for a reason. The question that I have is really interesting to me. Do you believe that God is in control? Now, I want you to ask yourself that question. I believe with all my heart, because of how he works in my life and under my life, that he is in control. He is in control of everything in my life. The air I breathe, the people that I love, the fact that I am sitting up here, stumbling and bumbling and probably doing a dead job. It doesn't matter to me. I'm up here because I want to glorify God. I think he planned on me being here. And I think he planned on you being there. And I hope by the grace of God that something was said, that he will use something to give you encouragement to walk with him on a daily basis. And I praise God for the privilege of speaking to you today. May God bless you and keep you. And the one thing I want to tell you is keep your eyes on the Lord. He is faithful. He never fails. And I guarantee you, I can't say that about Jack Myers. Can you say that about yourself? I doubt it. By the grace of God, let's praise him some more. Thank you.